0: you'll
1: find anywhere. Coaching carousel all over college football. Yeah. Is it becoming a problem is the question that we want to ask. Of note from here at Auburn, of course, is Jeremy Garrett recently leaving the Auburn football program to head to Jacksonville uh, as the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line coach. But Auburn's not the only place that has been plagued by coordinators, head coaches, um, uh, analysts all over college football are leaving to go to NFL programs. And a lot of them are talking or stating it's really due to burnout, right? From what the college game has turned into, right? When you think about coaches like Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan, that's a Michigan program that just won the national championship. And he was like, I'm good i holla y'all. Now, of course, there may be some other extenuating circumstances around things that may be happening to that program that helped with that. But I right. guarantee you that that decision was made a lot easier by some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Ryan Grubb, who was supposed to be the offensive coordinator for Alabama, was like yep. – Yeah, that's cool and everything. From a team that went again to the national championship game, he was going over to one of the top programs in the country as the offensive coordinator. He was like, "Ah, I'd rather go to the NFL. What do we think about the landscape of college sports right now and what it's doing to college coaches? How are you guys feeling about it? Anybody can jump in.
2: I mean, the NIL is... It's a blessing and a curse at the same time. You're getting guys who are willing to commit. Uh, you, I mean, the, looking at Florida ha- having to deal with all the stuff they're having to deal with right now. Tennessee's having to deal with stuff with NIL stuff against the NCAA. It's just a lot of trouble that the NCAA could have just stopped by having just simple rules in place. Because now we're getting to a lot of the other coaches that that are dealing with this as well. But we had we ha- I've never seen a head coach just kind of give up on a program in the like in January and I'm talking Boston college's coach. Is who I'm referring to Jim Harbaugh. He's been trying to go to the league for the past five years. Uh, but Boston nice. college's coach kind of just gave up on his team. Cause he was like, I'm tired of trying to outbid Clemson. I'm trying to, I'm tired of trying to outbid Virginia for all these guys. I just want to be able to recruit the guys that I want and coach football. Cause with an IL kind of being a, the rich get richer ideology, you kind of fall behind if you don't have the money. You have Boston College, who is a Power 5 school, but they have to recruit the same level as G5 schools do because they don't have Clemson money. They don't have Florida State money. They don't have Miami money. So it just kind of something that if you just had them all kind of digging out of the same pot instead Mm -hmm. of having boosters and deals kind of come into the university themselves, it it could easily be fixed. But, yeah, it's definitely a problem right now. I mean,
1: so easily be fixed. Uh, well, uh, let me let B. Will chime in because I want to come back to solution, uh, solutioning here in just a minute. Because tonight, the War Poor Network is going to fix college football. That's what our goal is tonight. <laughs> we're going to fix the entire system, and then we're going to send this over to the powers that be, and they're going to be like, I never considered that. That's a really good idea. B. Will, yeah. what's the problem? Oh, well, the
0: problem is that NIL is completely unregulated, and it's really just a sleeker – legal way to get money into college players' pockets in their families' hands, which is not the problem. The problem is not that it's going to the players and their families. The problem is that there's no guardrails on it whatsoever. So anybody can get money and that will leave a lack in some programs. Other programs, you got the money, you can have a lot better, not only player roster, but your staff will be better. This is something that once Alabama got rolling under Nick Saban, they were benefit froming Ahead of other people, which is more coaches, more Mm. analysts way before NIL became a thing. You can't spend it on players. Cool. But I can have three guys breaking down film for me. And you got one breaking down that team's film because I got more money than you. College football has never been an even playing field. I would argue that now it's still not an even playing field. Some people are going to get up, but some people are also going to drop down, like the the example Dylan gave about Boston College. If you don't have the money, you're not going to get quality players unless you are just unreal scouting and you can put together a team of FCS players because you have to go from one rung down is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. So whoever's recruiting one rung below you, if the people on your rung— are scooping up all the talented players you got to go one run down scout extremely well and pull them up and i can imagine that that is a tiring exhausting game you have to they there's just no way for anybody to completely recruit at a comparable level to your peers if you don't have the money of your peers nil with no
1: guardrails is why it's going so far off the tracks yes i mean so no, as far as here is what Coach Hugh Freeze had to say about the entirety of the process. He says that I think our calendar is extremely messed up. I don't think it's good for high school recruiting, portal recruiting, managing your own team, getting ready for bowl prep. Uh, I think our calendar needs a serious, serious look at for what's best for our game. It's hard for any of us to truly manage all of it truthfully. So Coach Hugh and this was right around the time when they were, you know, uh, early signing day, trying to get ready for the bowl game, all of those things. He's like, man, how is somebody supposed to do this job, bro? Yeah. How, how are we supposed to do this job with the way the calendar's set up? The transfer portal, early signing day, like coaches just don't get a break. And it's exhausting. If you're a college coach in the NFL, you actually get an offseason. You get a time even if it's only a month, you get time to to go and chill for a minute the way the transfer portal is right now, the way that um you know like guys can enter the transfer portal pretty much whenever they want to now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When do you get to take a break as a college coach between recruiting game planning and figuring out the transfer portal and like you said, be will, with all of these staffs ballooning. Now, you have to figure out how to manage people internally on your staff. So, mm-hmm. what's the solution? How do we get to a place where we actually have uh, collegiate football be? I mean, I don't listen. We're just talking about football. Basketball's got to be crazy with their um, Crazier, stuff right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But what, what, what's the solution here? Well, you guys, what, what, we're going to give some ideas for them. How do we fix it? What's the problem, and how do we fix it?
2: I think it's as easy as trying to, like what Hugh said about changing the schedule. We don't, we talk about early signing day. Early signing day is no longer early signing day. Right. There's signing day and then there's late signing day. (laughs) Right. Because you're talking about, like, you look at Ryan Williams. I know he didn't sign with Auburn, but it was like, dang, he didn't sign on on signing day. No, he's actually going to go sign on signing day. We just expect everyone to sign on national signing day or early signing day. But you don't have a chance once you're always recruiting the same players. You were recruiting high schoolers to sign with with your team, and you're immediately right after they pen pen comes off the paper, you're immediately recruiting that player to stay with your team. Right. Mm. It's no longer about uh, a simple matter of you know I stay with us. You're signed. Stay like you usually got back in back in the days before the craziness of the transfer portal. Because now you're, I mean, you have teams like Iowa who kind of got outed by Caden Proctor for tampering midseason for like, hey man, uh, you're 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 struggling, but you know what? Why not? Well,
0: you just got like, shut. Why are you talking? (laughs) Go ahead, my bad.
2: (laughs) But if you spread it out, don't don't put bowl season, transfer portal opening, and early signing day in the same month because you have coaches who are trying to game plan and recruit at the same time while also trying to get ready for Christmas. Like yeah. you have family time, team time and recruiting time all in the same month. If you just spread it out a little bit and don't give teams the opportunity to, to if a coach leaves, sure. Why not? I, I understand it. But at a certain point, you've got to put a, a stop on when teams can enter the portal. Cause I don't really care that happened in Alabama, but for like Michigan, they, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh left. And then all of a sudden it was open season for them and they couldn't bring anybody in. So you're kind of just screwing everybody just because your coach tried to, for Harbaugh's sake, went for a better opportunity to go to the, go to the NFL. You, you're you ruining these opportunities for these coaches. Cause like Boston college's coach just kind of got tired of it, got up and left. And now Boston college is up for grabs. It's just turned into NFL free agency at this point. Well, of course,
0: Bill O'Brien took the Boston College job. He left Ohio State's OC position to take the Boston College job. Then Chip Kelly left the USC head coach position to take the uh, um, Ohio State offensive coordinator job. It's it's, it's ridiculous. But I'm going to agree with you on the schedule. The only thing that actually makes any sense is to let the football season play out completely championship included like not the regular season all postseason games play out then the transfer portal opens and i know that that pushes back uh signing day because you want to be able to i think it's okay if signing day still happens in early mid-december but you don't I mean, need to have i, to I worry think they just about, need to
1: have the one though right like i don't yeah. know right. what the point of the second well, signing day is anymore because some kids don't I guess you could well, I'm Well, I'm not saying it only needs to be earlier. I'm saying you need to push it back so that they only have one. Why do you have an early signing day and a late, like, let
0: it well, be like I in January.
2: Why. It's the pageantry. Because
0: you have to be able to, if you want to start in the spring, you have to be able to enroll by the spring. So you have to make that decision before yeah, then. Yeah,
1: man, I don't, I understand that they're wanting to get these kids in as freshmen earlier and earlier, man. But let them, let them finish high school, man. Like. You're, you're affecting high school football at that point in time, too. I mean, like, yeah. Let kids be high school kids until the end of their, like, some of these kids aren't even getting to enjoy the end of their senior year because they're right. already moving on and they're on campus before their senior year ends, man. Like, yeah. let them be high school kids for as long. Because, listen, man, hey, bro, life, you're not going to get that back. The your The last days of your high school year, you ain't going to get none of that back, man.
0: Yeah,
1: but I mean, how much you look back at high school, like, oh man, what a magical time! A lot of people do. I don't care nothing no, about I it. But I'm do. saying, it's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of people um, that absolutely remember high school as a magical time.
2: So, like, I mean, okay, you also got some of the money aspects of it. You have kids, not even the money's the not, biggest aspect. Let's be not, clear. Well, them not ignoring their the end of their senior year, but you have some players who are just completely ignoring their junior year going in, straight into college as like a 16-, 17 year old. Uh and that that's also kind of messed up because, you know, let the let the kids, you know, graduate high school at the bare minimum. Don't just have them reclassify. I feel like there should be some kind of rule against the reclassification of a high school player rather than, you know, and I this could just be me being salty about Ryan Williams, but I don't th- God, feel like man, I'm <laughs> hey,
0: man, he don't want to come here anyway. It's all good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah,
2: but Class twenty twenty five guy turns to class twenty twenty four guy. I what's the, what's the transcript look like? Come on, he, there's no way he graduated a year early in high school.
0: <laughs> it can happen. We we actually I'm Birmingham, Alabama. We I was at uh, I went to Ramsey High. You know Ramsey Rams. Everybody out there. We didn't have a football team, by the way. So that's how old I am. We <laughs> split up the senior. By the time you got you to your senior year, you didn't have a whole day of classes to take in the first semester and second semester. So we got out of school halfway at like noon if every day of our senior year. So we absolutely, and that's before, nobody, we're not talking about because we're athletes. We're just kids and we got all our classes and we got all our credits and we could have taken like an extra elective just because, but it would have been, there was nothing you need for graduation anymore. So you absolutely can finish in three and a half years. So I think that's fine because it gets you on campus. And honestly, as somebody who needs, uh, we need more talent in here. We need an influx of this young, great high school talent. Yes. Let them get here in January so they can start spring camp. So they so can we haven't start. fixed anything yet. What are we going to do to change this calendar? Okay. We- so that's what I was, okay. So I was getting to it. Okay. We are going to Not allow any transfers to happen. None. The portal doesn't open until after the national championship game. Okay. That's when it opens. It is a 30-day window. Yes, that means... now I'm rethinking
1: this already Because <laughs> <laughs> You missed sign up You missed the The, the start of the next semester right. At your next school Yep So you can't get in there In spring for the next school If you're not letting them Transfer before that window uh, Enters Because you Because just, yeah. uh, just entering the transfer portal Is one thing But you have to figure out What school you're going to Get registered at that school And like That's a lot of stuff That's got to happen In a short amount of time And you're not really Giving time for the schools To re-recruit guys Unless you're Letting They they can announce a An intent to hit the transfer portal earlier than that, which they could always have done. They just they weren't aren't officially in. So, like, how do you figure all that stuff out?
2: Well, don't you already have students that are student athlete who are already doing that? Because if your coach leaves in January, you're already in classes, and right. then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, "Oh, I'm going to transfer out anyway, so you might as well." I've it we're does only five limit days in the class.
0: It does limit where some people can go because there have been cases where they were primed to go to one spot, but they couldn't because that school semester had already started. So. You're just screwed. Like, you can't get into that school. It was, I mean, if you had done it discreetly, you know, somebody would have made a way. But everybody knows that you just jumped in the portal yesterday, and it's February. You're not going anywhere, so you're stuck.
1: Yeah, because, again, because of the school aspect of it, you can't actually leave right. because it's not like—you you can't just not be in school that it, now you— could just not be in school. But like in order yeah. to maintain your eligibility, scholarship path towards your, you know, pr- progress towards your degree, all of that stuff, right? Like right. we can't just ignore the school portion of it. And that's, I think that's the thing that everybody wants to skip past is that mm-hmm. there's actual school that has to happen amidst all of this other stuff. Or it's the it's it's really truly NFL junior at that point in time. If kids aren't going to get in degrees, then that's what it becomes. So Okay. So what if everybody
0: stops faking like it's about school. <laughs> <laughs> and we solve the actual problem, which is you treat them with like employees. You create a salary cap for every program. And that will eliminate some of the advantage that the big spenders have that the smaller schools don't. They're employees, so they have contracts. And when they have contracts, you know they're not getting in the portal at the end of the year. Why? You got the contract, buddy. You're not going anywhere. So at least when a coach is approaching the postseason and you're thinking about your roster, you don't have to wonder, well, is my, you know, all-conference D tackle just going to jump in the portal because somebody offered him more money? No, he's not. Not this year. Next
1: year's contract will be up and he's going to go somewhere else or he'll stay for one more for his senior season or something. Fine. So you're saying remove the amateur status from them and let them be professional Contracted athletes in they, college. Yes. That is the
0: only way. Now, ironically, that's the only way to actually get some control. If you're going to let them get paid value for what they bring to the university, and let's be clear here between the NFL and the NBA, there's a split of revenue that's like somewhere between 47.53 and like I think the NBA is like 49.51. Players get 49, and they split that. They split that as far as how much revenue is reserved for salary caps for teams and how much when teams just get a big check at the end of the year. Like NFL teams, you get like 50-something billion dollars. And says, here you go, wasn't it a great year? So they get that money. The players get that money, but it's split up among salary and everything that you sold, your jersey sold in the store, and all this money comes to you that way. Players, I know we kind of gripe about, oh, they were trying to pay him $300,000 a year uh, to in NIL. Listen, they're not even getting close to the value that they bring to these campuses. What you pay for in tickets and concession sales and paraphernalia sales, none of that is even close. The the salaries that these kids are getting through NIL is not even close to 50% of what they bring in for these colleges. These numbers are published usually. If you want to know what the athletic department was making, what football revenue was, what players are getting, is not even close and the reason universities would hate this is because all this NIL money is not coming out of the university's pocket. If they are employees, these universities have to find a way to pay players. They do not want to do that. You got to have insurance for everybody. Right. You got to have benefits for everybody. I mean,
1: they they have some benefits for these. Yeah, players they have some, some sort of like insurance that they can take yeah. out for um Well, anyway, continue, yeah yeah.
0: But because of what labor laws are If we acknowledge that these guys are are doing work Then you have to treat them like employees And all of a sudden, your college players that just cost NIL money Which you can get from fans and all your rich donors And you don't pay a dime for Now you pay them salary, which is expensive And on top of that, you have to pay for their benefits and their well-being Which is expensive as well Now it's incredibly cumbersome to have a competitive football program But you will be able to control who you get, who
1: leaves, and when much better than you would otherwise. So, so the problem, for in your opinion, is the liberty in which the players have to move about. Yeah, yeah, it is. It so, is. okay, so here, here's here's where I have a problem with restricting player movement without restricting – because my issue has always been that I like the transfer portal – being i think that it it went too far with removing the the one-time transfer rules where you don't have to sit a year if you don't if you do the second transfer i think that was a step too far because i Mm. do think that kids should have an opportunity the young men and ladies whatever should have an opportunity to leave if they made the wrong choice or it just didn't work out the way that you thought it was going to be but i don't like putting restrictions on the players that you're not going to put on the coaches right if the coaches can just decide tomorrow Hey, this ain't working out for me. I'm up and out. This man, Ryan Grubb. (laughs) Ryan Grubb left Washington to follow Kalen DeBoer to Alabama, went to a booster meeting and was like, yeah, I'm here with y'all. And a week later was gone again, bro. There is no player in collegiate football that could be have gotten signed out of the transfer portal reported to uh whatever like an actual thing that you're required to do under your contract and be like yeah i'm finna be y'all new quarterback and then bounce for another school a week later you can't do it you can't do it and the coaches are under contracts
0: that now that's a different situation because honestly coaching liberties with their contracts between them and the school that's way out of hand like you Jimbo Fisher had a contract that paid him however many dozens of millions of dollars if he was bad enough to get fired. I don't know who decided paying all that money was a good idea if you're not good at your job, but coaches, they run in a racket, all right? I don't know how it got this bad, but I agree with you. What they probably should do is you can leave and go whenever you're paying all that money back. Like you're paying the value of this contract, even if you didn't finish it. You signed for twenty million for four years. Okay, you want to go there?
1: Fine. Pay me ten million. P- pay half yeah. of it. Well, which is why they have buyout language in a lot of these contracts, right? right. So if you're going to leave and go to another job, then somebody needs to buy out the remainder of this contract or a portion of that contract, or the coach has to give that they, that, that buyout language exists in a lot of these places, mm-hmm. which is also why places like auburn are left on the hook when coaches get fired because they're like hey wait a minute you promised me five years of this contract i've only worked two of them Mm -hmm. so uh what's money bro right right
2: yeah i will say if you want to keep the academic level of it i mean you're giving these kids free rides to prestigious colleges uh which that that's a benefit that's a you're, benefit. And you're also. Same way you
0: work at uh, Microsoft, you get free uh, access, Microsoft Word for the, for life or whatever. You work for a college, you get free tuition. If if you want to work for Auburn now, you get free tuition. That's a benefit.
2: And uh, it's just, it annoys me to, to a degree to see those players get, they get the free education, which I understand. Yes, give it to them. But also that's also – if you transfer within two years, you just cost maybe a couple of kids who had academic scholarships. You affected those too because you had to let these guys in in some way. So it affects both ways. Uh, I I think the scholarship should count as like the contract. Which they
1: technically are contracts, but they have to get renewed every season, right? So like – I mean but the contract is you play for our school. We pay for your school right mm-hmm. and that that's what the contractual portion is as long as you remain eligible we'll continue to pay your scholarship right
2: uh but i, I look at it that way i was like if you're going to give these players free rides if they're going to be getting jersey sales a portion a portion of it not all of it probably
1: oh they shouldn't get a, all of it they I mean, not the, the value is in there. anyway i don't want to get into all that but yeah <laughs>
2: I, there should be a level of, and it, it comes down to the coaching, and I I think about the Interscholastic 14 level of it because like part of part of your recruiting for for by 14 is coach trust, coach stability. You have to be at this, <laughs> you have to be at the school for so long. Yeah, that does come into play, but if you have a coach that's been there a while. And you just give up on the team halfway through because, and it comes back to like, look at Alabama years ago. Like they had five stars who signed with Alabama just to be the backup for three years and ball out in their fourth year and get drafted. I'm looking at Josh Jacobs. He was a back perennial backup for Alabama that had one year where he's a starter balled out. And now he's a Los Angeles Raider or Las Vegas Raider. Excuse me. And, but you, you don't have that with with other schools nowadays. Alabama can't even keep players on, on their roster more than a year if they're not playing. Look, look at Antonio Kite. I think it's a great pickup for Auburn. But it was a guy who was a highly touted recruit. Nick Saban, the whole staff wanted to keep him, but he didn't get any playing time, and then he he bounced. And I, and I believe he was one of the he transferred out before Nick Saban retired. If I'm not mistaken. No, it was after. Was it so. after? Okay, mm-hmm. well, then yeah, I'm so. just speaking out of my butt then. Uh, But you have other players that do that. You just you don't get the same level of what's what's what I'm looking for here. Uh, Commitment. Whenever a player announces their commitment, Uh and it's the same way with the in high school realm, you get a guy who will commit his senior year and then he'll flip his commit and then he'll flip back and then he'll flip this way, he'll flip that way. You didn't get that six, seven, eight years ago as much. It was not something that was that prominent. If if a if a guy wanted to come to your school. Odds are he wasn't going to come to your school. But nowadays, NILs. I, I don't think we should be promising NIL money to a guy who's not stepped into the college realm.
1: Oh, so that I agree one hundred like I think the the NIL promissory thing for a kid who's never played a single down of football is insane, right? Like yeah. so if we're talking about like because that's when we talk about salary caps, for instance, I do think that they should put more hard limits. Cause that's what happened in the NFL. They had a rookie salary wage cap where it's mm-hmm. like, look, man, we're not gonna be giving all this bread to some rookie player who might fizzle out in a right. couple of years. So I think that from an NIL standpoint, they they probably need to look into something like that. The problem again with that is that NIL is is really about really the collectives are the only people that you can limit in that way. Cause if, if somebody on their own, you know, proves their own value in that way and people want to pay for their jersey or paraphernalia and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. But from a collective standpoint, there they have to put some sort of limitations on this or it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. Um because I, I think they're just doing way too much wheeling and dealing with guys who haven't proven anything. Yeah. And it's and it's making recruiting ridiculous. To coach Freeze's point, it makes it hard for you to even figure out who's still in your boat. When you're talking about Trying to keep people Out right. of the portal Right Figuring out how to put Recruiting classes together Because people are putting NIL packages together For kids that hadn't Even gotten there Like it's crazy man Yeah Um. But I don't Again I don't know What the solution is We haven't actually Come up with a solution Here yet by the way I thought no, we were Going to fix like all the problems I like my solution
0: My solution is <laughs> Put the
1: money on Now you got to take Some money from the coaches Though
0: Now that that's going to be I don't, be the I don't thing. know
1: if that works Though the the, the salary mm-hmm. thing I don't know if that works I don't know if that works You like, get control
0: for, You can set the Similar to Free Let's think about it. When NBA free agency is about to start, everybody knows because the coaches go to the players' house at midnight and they're waiting. So as soon as free agency starts, we're going to be the first people at your door, the first people on your phone. You know everybody's had all this time to scout because the draft has happened. So you get your influx of new talent. That's happened. And then you wait. And now it's free agency because I know who you got in the draft. You know how the draft worked out. What new talent did you get? Did you fill your needs at point guard if it's the NBA? Did you fill your needs at quarterback or tackle or whatever? Well, didn't get it there. or I like what I got. Now, let me fill the rest of my holes with, uh, pause, with (laughs) free agency. (laughs) All right? So now it's on me to go ahead and find these guys who are going to cost me more money. So I agree. You need to have an incoming. If you're coming from high school, there is a cap on how much you can earn. I don't care what your position is. That free agency model, it's been fine tuned. It keeps players in place so you know who you have. If you are a detriment to the team, if you cut up, if you act out because you want to get released, you're going to get released. But you're not going to get any money because we're going to define what behavior should be and what you have to do to keep getting paid. You can put academics on that. I'm not completely upset with that. To, to some extent because I do think if you're gonna put money in these guys' pockets they have to have enough structure as young men
1: to not go crazy and that's something that they'd have really have to work out to some extent i, I don't that- i don't like i don't I don't like turning it from amateur athletics um i mean I don't know man i because again I, you, you there's there you open up a whole other can of worms when you talk about um folks that have to uh figure out like just workplace violations that you have to try to regulate and all that kind of stuff with right. guys who are, I don't know, man. It, that it, it, I think that becomes crazy when you start getting into that sort of thing. And um, I don't know. I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either.
2: I but. think an easy fix could just be, you know, the NCAA doesn't recognize the college football playoff national champion. They recognize the FCS champion. At some point, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve – I don't want to say the ACC or Pac-12 because they're going to be null and void in a couple of years, but but those the SEC and Big Ten mostly have more power than the NCAA does. If if the NCAA tries to come down on a a, a big a big dog in the SEC, the SEC is not going to let anything happen to one of their big players for winning a championship. That's just how it rolls. Uh, the SEC is probably the most powerful conference uh in the college football realm and college sports realm over the NCAA itself. It could be as easy as just I don't want to like start a riot or anything, but overthrowing <laughs> the NCAA. <laughs> because it, it just they're not they don't recognize the champion. They're not doing anything oh. to and I just hit my mic. They're not doing anything to prevent this mess from happening. Yeah, they're, I mean, all the they're NTA, doing is the,
1: the NTAA created this by not taking action on a lot of this stuff way early, and, the
2: and day they're day. trying to fix it by going at Tennessee for spending NIL money on Nico. I am a I, Nico. Yep, all of that. <laughs> yeah. However, I, I'll learn it whenever Just you actually proves to be good, we know Nico. About. Nico, and, and the, nothing's going to happen because instead of they don't have a backbone. They don't have a spine. All they are is a bunch of old dudes who are like, well, let's someone else's life today. That's all they're good for is just making people mad and they don't do anything except do that. They don't set rules. They don't set parameters. They're like, oh, well, you got this recruited hamburger at McDonald's. Well, well, you're getting, you're getting suspended for six games. Cool. That, that's, that's all that they do. If the SEC, if the big 10, They're already working towards it regardless because SEC brought in Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten brought in every single – and the Big 12 basically stripped all the teams from the Pac-12. These conferences are getting more powerful than the NCAA can control. What are you going to do with the Big Ten whenever they have Ohio State, Michigan, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington all in the same boat? What are you going to do with the SEC when they have, I think, what? 3 out of the top 5 highest earning colleges in terms of sports revenue. You can't do nothing to them. They don't have power over you anymore. If you get rid of the NCAA, let the let the conferences take over the monitoring of the NIL. Set salary caps for how much you can spend. Don't give
1: Dylan Vander- Dylan is advocating for states rights right now. He's like, <laughs> "Don't get overthrow the federal government states rights is what we want to go for."
2: The capital of the SEC resides in Birmingham, Alabama, not the NCAA. <laughs> that mm. that is where that resides. But like Vanderbilt shouldn't be operating with one leg while Alabama has all four of their limbs. That's not how it should work. They're both power five SEC caliber schools. And actually Vanderbilt's a better college than Alabama is. So technically maybe Vanderbilt should have more money than Alabama does. Do that, please. That but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no team should be left in the dust if they are part of this conference. And that's not me wanting to say kick Vanderbilt out because I do think Vanderbilt does a lot of things good in other sports and academically they bring up the entire GPA of the conference uh, by a factor of one. Uh, it's just something that the NCAA has no doesn't have power anymore. Give the conferences the chance to monitor their own teams. Set limits to what those co- those teams, those conferences can spend. Don't give Bama, since they've won a championship in the past 10 years, uh, $2 million more than you give Missouri, who Missouri might be better than Alabama next year. And Missouri's not getting this level of, uh, of love from the media that Bama does, but Bama's going to get more money because of it. Give well, no, the conferences you, you know, that chance.
0: When they distribute these checks, the conferences do, it's equal distribution among the SEC schools. This year, everybody got a $51 million check as a part of their distribution from their TV rights and, and their bowl appearances and stuff like that. So that the after money is going to everybody. Vanderbilt won, won what, two, three games last year? $51 million. Thank you. Great doing business with you. So yeah, that's business. already happening. The, the part that we can't really control is if there is a salary cap, and to be clear, I'm tra- talking about putting a salary cap on— a team as employees of the university, not as NIL. There's no way to control it with NIL, so
1: that's that. That's not going to work. But so, do you want a salary cap for coaches as well?
0: Yes, I. I want them to split the re- if if teams have to pay if schools have to pay players, there won't be ten million dollars a year for a coach anymore. There just won't be. They'll have to eat some of that money because honestly, co- colleges can't afford to pay ten million dollars for a coach and then one million dollars. Like, can you imagine what? If he had come back, like Bryce Young won the Heisman he came back the next year. Buddy, we renegotiate my contract. I promise you that. Caleb Williams, hey, I'm going to cost you. What am I costing you out here in LA? 8000000 million? I'm costing you 15000000 i million. million. I'm, I'm a Heisman winner. It's like I just put Grammy winner on my resume as a, as a musician. I'm going to cost more now. So if, when you do that, the universities are paying for other sports with football revenue. They're paying for, it probably all stays in the athletic department, but it's funding a lot. You can't. Say, well, we got to pay players, so we're closing you down, women's volleyball. No, you can't do that unless you reformat Title IX. So you got to start taking from the coaches. And I think you probably should, honestly. I, I know the coaches have a hard job, but if you're going to make their job more manageable by controlling the the schedule of everything that happens in college football, by controlling the turnover from the players, then why not go ahead and knock your salary down some? Because let's see how bad you want to win. You still need good players, right? Well, the salary cap—you're probably not going to get any coach that makes more than five million dollars a year. I think they'll survive somehow. They'll scrape by with five million dollars a year. I think they'll be fine. I'm talking about like Nick Saban. He retired now, but Nick, five million—you cool? Yeah, I'm cool with that.
2: Yeah, you cool with that? It's five million dollars. You tell me I can't put two stories in my mansion? What are you talking about? I, oh man, I need those four million. Come on, man.